this week I have rent. Um, and what show do you have? What show do I have? Was was that a joke? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin coming in hot with the jokes. Um, so I picked rent because I was like, I want to pick something that I was like totally obsessed with when I was growing up because as a kid in the suburbs, of course, you're going to just relate to this dream of what New York <laughs> is. And so I picked like the most, just just the, the scariest part of New York. And I was like, that's my New York. Alphabet city. Ooh, alphabet gritty. <laughs> yes. Um, so when did you see it though? Did you ever see it? I saw it on tour and I had it. Oh my God, this is a crazy thing about my life. And we'll have to find pictures of this. Um, so I was uh, all the time when we were growing up, like I, uh, slept in the same bed as my sister. Like we would always share a room. And then when I was like 11 or something like entirely too old, it was like, okay, we're moving. We got a new house. And I had my own bedroom. I was, like, scared about it. Oh, no. I can't, like, sleep in the middle of the night. Wait, how old were you? I think I was, like, 11. Girl! (laughs) (laughs) Cute. She cute. Those are probably some, like, deep issues. Who knows? Um, Um, So my parents would... like in order to convince me to sleep in my room and that it was like this safe place, they hired a mural artist to oh. uh, to paint scenes from my favorite musicals, and one of them was Rent. Another one was Jekyll and Hyde. Whoa! <laughs> so, All things you want to see when you're closing your eyes. <laughs> exactly. So like nothing really makes you want to sleep more than think but about what? Those young kids in their 20s with AIDS dying. Like, hmm. <laughs> it was effective. I slept in my bedroom. But yeah. what what scene was it from Rent? It was taken from, like, the... Uh, the CD. The, yes, exactly. <laughs> it was basically those CD ones. Like, I definitely remember, like, Mimi's blue pants. More of the... Because that was, like... It was a bright blue. So, like, when I would go to bed, there it was these, like, bright blue pants. Um, yeah. Mimi's blue pants sounds like a song. <laughs> Sounds like it could be a rent. It should be. It should be its own. And like, then what scene from Jekyll and Hyde? Uh, definitely the one where he's like, uh, this is the moment. And like the one where he's like, fi- again, all of this was taken from just like the CD pictures. Like, oh, that yeah. You could get. So it's when he's like fighting and transitioning from Jekyll. Um, Face off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole is that situation. Hasselhoff? It was Hasselhoff. I mean, obviously not original, but he did it. Uh... He, Hasselhoff was supposed to be great in it. He's very big in Germany. Oh. Still, yeah. German, Jekyll and Hyde. Um, so, Rent, that's the most important thing to know about Rent. Okay, so what is Rent if you don't know it? Which, obviously, you're not listening to this if you don't know Rent. There's a chance that people are listening to this, no Gypsy, but not Rent. No cats, but not company. You this know. is fair. That's fair. Okay. We're, we're getting both sides of the, um, you know, the stylistic spectrum here. And there yes. are only two. Mm, okay. So Rent was uh, composed and written by Jonathan Larson. Um, I want to get into my favorite part of Rent, which was actually the first concept of it and how it came about and who he originally collaborated with. Um, but it's essentially about, it's a loose interpretation or it's based on La Boheme, even though the opera, uh, even though there's differences, and mainly just that Mimi uh, doesn't die in the end, even though she does in the opera, which... Oh, but she, like, has a 
I mean, she dies. She's like, oh, she's like dying, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, okay, this is following La Boheme, and then Angel, who has died already of AIDS, is like. Uh, well, she looked good, and she's like, no, girl, listen to this song that this man is singing to you. Like, go back into the world. Like, I and forgot that. And then she miraculously that. comes back. Oh, that's right. She comes back, and it's like a funny scene, and she's like... Yeah, and they're, like, they're like, and she looked good, and everyone's just laughing, like, <laughs> like sitting over, like, she's dying, she's dying. And they're like, oh, all of a sudden, oh, Angel looked good. Yuck, 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 yuck. What's she dying from? <laughs> she was dying from AIDS. Oh! Yeah. Oh, yeah. that wasn't one of her heroin overdoses. Mm, no. Well, actually, oh, God, I don't think so. I think that she was just, she was, like, homeless at the time because she and Roger had, like, kind of broken things off or whatever. He had gone off to Santa Fe. It's been a little I, while since I saw it. Mm. I saw it at New World when it was at New World for a while. Oh, okay. I really great, liked great that production. production. That was a good one. Um, okay, so Rent is... Let's just get into the part that I think is really fascinating. So it actually, the original concept, uh, Jonathan Larson worked with this guy, Billy Aronson, um, and he was living in Hell's Kitchen, and he came up with this concept that he wanted to convert La Boheme into sort of modern day what that was like, because in... uh, Hell's Kitchen in the 90s. Oh, that was probably rough. Yeah, there were like this, it was that, the dichotomy of these like rich people going to work and being all affluent, but like stepping over homeless people um, on their way to work. And this sort of like disregard where you had, I mean, the like 42nd Street of the 90s, totally different than the Disneyfied. And this is before tech people were doing it too. Yes. Which is what it is now. Which is what it is now. Which is all that San Francisco is. Um, San Francisco's a garbage town now. It's it's a scary place. Um, And so he was like, oh, he came up with this concept of wanting to do it. And then he got connected with composers. And one of the composers was Jonathan Larson. Um, And then they started working together. And they realized that some of their lyrics were crazy like just a snippet of the lyric was if i threw my body out of the window was that first part of rent the fenestration the musical (laughs) just just scary stuff so they realized like uh okay maybe this isn't the like best thing and then jonathan larson was like hooked on this idea but then was like i'm going to make this my own thing so he was uh, he wanted to set this more in instead of uh, tuberculosis being the thing that was killing people. Oh, is that what the guy that's, was going to have? Yes, it be? exactly. So then it was. Uh, what are they dying of in Love Wim? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was tuberculosis. Oh, tuberculosis. So then they made this. What is the modern day plague? Um, um, so HPV. AIDS. Yeah, well, that would be today's. <laughs> so oh, then HIV. Like, HIV. <laughs> First correction quarter, <laughs> HPV, not HIV. So he went and he was looking at Alphabet City at the time, which was this like crazy place. And he was like, I'm going to instead of make this modern day West Side Story or whatever, we're going to set this in the Lower East Side um, and Alphabet City where you had all different types of people. And so. And Life Cafe. <laughs> and a cafe. Yes. That cafe was real. I've eaten there. Oh. And there was Yaffa Cafe. Because remember, I came here in 2001, so I got... Oh, you got some of that I got real s- New York. I got some of that real New York um, back when there was a gay bar called Dick's. Mm. Not very subtle. But they had musical, like, Wednesdays or something where they would just play show tunes, which was oh, great. Oh, yeah. that's great. And you could have... Uh, they had really good deals on schnapps, which is tough because you don't want it, 
but it was cheaper. And that was before it was sober, so I had an awful lot of it. Not a thing. Awful lot of peach schnapps, butterscotch schnapps. There was a, like, because you know how they're just, you can't keep a lesbian bar open in this city, so we do, like, nights. There was a lesbian night, and you do, like, parties that's just for girls. And this was, I don't know, like, 2006 or something that I came here, and it was called Cherry Pop. Mm. So that was my first, like, lesbian night that I went to in NYC. So, <laughs> pop. Um, but, but seamless transition, cherry pop to rent. <laughs> well, there are lesbians in rent. Yes. Okay. So, and that was another thing. So rent was my first time that I was like, okay. So I was around that age where you're starting to figure out like, okay, I like ladies. And so I was like fascinated with this relationship. And I always thought people refer to Maureen as the lesbian. She's actually bisexual as we know, cause she dated Mark so I feel like it's that rare representation of bisexuals in musical theater. So love that. Except they paint her terribly. They're just mm. like, she'll fuck anything. Mm. Well, but then that's also like a perfectly cromulent character. People exist in this world that will fuck everything. That's Some of true. them are probably bisexual. So, you know, that's, it's not like an impossible choice. Mm. That's true. That's true. But my... Favorite character is the lesbian, Joanne. I mean, so my issue in general with Rent is there are these incredible stories that exist, but we focus so much on these two main guys, Mark and Roger, who are just like these really angsty artists. And it's like- They could go home. Yeah, just like get out of the way. Like, please move on. We just want to hear like the central love story. Really the real love story is- uh, Angel and Collins, but it's like we hear so much about fucking Mimi and Roger, and it's like no, no, just tell us about Angel and Roger. Like I, I mean Angel and Collins. I want to hear what oh, their story. Oh, well, that's a different. <laughs> oh, I'd watch that one too. Rent to the dead people. <laughs> yeah, just those. Those are the real like fascinating stories, and that's what Jonathan Larson said that he wanted to do. He wanted to like tell these authentic stories. He wanted to write the hair for his generation of this like which he active, did which he did absolutely that is what he set out to do and that is a hundred percent what he did and you know it's the the hair of the generation x because it is all list songs <laughs> just like hair um, well not all list songs but it's got some memorable list songs yes uh mucho mas <laughs> mucho, mucho of it. Uh, a couple of fun facts. So he wrote, Jonathan Larson was this guy who would like sit at his keyboard, his little like Casio keyboard, and he would write like hours and hours all day. Like, and he would call people. Apparently had a friend that he called up at like 3 a.m. And he was like, hey, I want to sing this entire musical that I wrote to you just right now. And his friend apparently just listened to it. His friend was like, okay, I'll sit on the phone. Like 3 a.m. He just sang this entire musical. That this is written. what life was like. <laughs> Um, before Instagram. <laughs> this is also what life was like when like you could kind of just sit around and write all the time. I was like, when did he have that time? Because he worked at a diner. But I guess when you... And that could, was enough to live? That's, I know. You could live off of like a diner job. And a diner York. job where you clearly also have enough free time... To then write for hours and hours. Maybe the man didn't sleep. Um, but yes, so he did 
things like that. And he apparently wrote over a hundred songs for Rent. He wrote it for like six years um, and like, you know, 30 something songs actually made it to the end of it. Where are the rest of them? Did they survive somewhere? I think there's got to be in a book. I mean, you can find the lyrics too. If you loved If I Threw My Body Out the Window (laughs) and want to hear more about that, those like original lyrics exist in probably a million books, but I found this one book that had it and I will. What's the next lyric? Is it, would you you catch me? (laughs) I don't know. It's like, and we're done here. Um... So another thing that I thought was pretty cool is he was, and this just shows you kind of like a different world that they lived in. Uh, They did their first read through at New York Theater Workshop in 1993. And he had been writing this for a while and he was just riding his bike around and he just kind of poked his head in because it's right off of Fourth Street. Fourth Street, exactly. It's in the Fourth Street Arts Block, Mm. along with the crane, where we did it below. Yeah, and next to La Mama. La Mama. Um, And he just, like, poked his head in. He was like, oh, this is the space that I want to do it in. And he was like, my show is set in the Lower East Side. Like, we need to perform it in the Lower East Side. So he just started, like, obsessively contacting the artistic director about, like, I want to do my show here. And he did it. Um... So that's the secret, huh? That's the secret. We need to start just like riding our bikes around places and finding theaters. Be like, this is it. This is where we should do it. And that was before bike lanes, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes. It was real dangerous. He was just stopping traffic. Yes. Um, I will say rent was the first time that I heard the word dildos. And I don't think, you know, when you're like, again, reading this like, like singing this list song or whatever. I don't think I really sacro. knew. <laughs> yeah, sacro, dildo. You can hurt your dildo. <laughs> Mark it in the back row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that something something like that did happen to me when I saw Shrek. Oh. That's all I'll say. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yes. So it was definitely for me. It was hearing this kind of like this lesbian relationship. So, oh my gosh, this is what I want to be and what I think I am. And then on this, like my passion of musical theater. So that was huge. Um, For me, it was really big that Angel was, so like Angel was a drag queen, but Angel, I don't think was transsexual. I believe Angel was a, a man, but just very feminine. And this idea that there was a kind of hot, straight acting guy, like, Collins that would be into him gave me a lot of hope that it gets better. Mm. False hope because it doesn't necessarily get better, but I liked that part as an unhappy little person. Yeah, I think that's what rent was really there for us. <laughs> like to feel like we have this safe space. It was our it gets better movement. <laughs> well, I didn't actually have a copy of it. I had to listen to other people's. Oh, was it forbidden? No. No, just... <laughs> no, I, I don't know why. Huh. Well, I would... <laughs> we should give it a listen now. Um, we can't. This is all that copyrighted material. Fair. Um, yeah, I were... one thing that I remember, because I would always be blasting, and I'd be like, Mom, put this CD on in the car. And other people may remember this moment where you get to, like, the second or the second disc and then contact comes on oh that which is number. just and so you're just like huh and instead of i don't well, know that's the like, sound of the song too yes <laughs> huh. Huh. 
And instead of just fast forwarding, I would choose to just talk loudly over it. Like, mom, so anyways, what's that? Oh, look at this fast food joint. Just talk over it. In and out. I mean, Jack in the Box. I mean, McDonald's. Justin, why? Why didn't I just fast forward through it? For the same reason all of us didn't because then that's more awkward somehow be like sorry mom i will not deal with the fact that you might have a sexuality too or that you could think that i possibly do and i'm gonna go past this they happened in every movie whenever somebody was going to like take her top off or something yes my mom made me leave the theater in frankenstein when she takes her top off and i came back in and i was late and i didn't know what was going on anymore and honestly I, I could have seen the taters. I mean, it would have been fine. <laughs> you know, those tickle bitties weren't going to affect me. The taters. I wanted, I wanted the boys, not the girls. <laughs> the boys. Sorry. Uh, no, no, sorry. Um, okay. I'm the hyper one this week. Oh no, good, please. Uh, the oh, another thing I want to talk about is Mimi and Roger's relationship. So okay, so they first meet where she has this will you light my candle moment because they're all squatting in uh this like big warehouse or whatever before Um, they had all been turned into like loft condos yes yes exactly this was in the like lower of course that's what what's his name wants to do yes okay that's well we're gonna divert for a second and talk about that like you know that you're kind of a jaded new yorker or just like not a young uh, child who's like, yeah, the world's great. I shouldn't have to pay rent. Like Benny's idea is a fantastic, fantastic. idea. Why are you so not he, doing this? Yeah, he wants to. He's like, why don't we just buy up this building? Like I have the money. I have this investor. And I can give you electricity. Yes, we could all have like, yeah, heat, running water, running water, AC, and we can make our art. And then the condos on top of it will pay for it. I was like, that's great. So he's the soulless person now in 2019. It's just like, fuck that. We're not going have any space for the arts it's just all gonna be condos so yeah it's like will and caitlin have to have day jobs (laughs) real people jobs it's awful yeah Yeah, it's just kind of like why the simpsons did rent to condo fever you know (laughs) no i didn't see that one oh it's just it it's it's homer coming in with a mustache and a and a cape and he goes where is the rent you must pay the rent (laughs) yeah like he's gonna tie them on the railroad track Ugh. Yeah, I would love to have that loft. I would yeah. love to have a place for me to do my art. Instead, oh I just gosh. have this disgusting three-bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah, this like beautiful setting that we're in right now. Um, um, it's paid for with my broken dreams. Oh, okay, great, perfect. That's <laughs> that's roughly how much it costs a month. <laughs> oh, a dream a month. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so really it's the artist's fault, because if we all had just kind of listened to Benny, imagine the Lower East Side that we could have right now. There could actually be art going on and still condos. I don't know if this is all reality. <laughs> don't know if there were all these no, artists I... that were that offered great deals and then weren't smart enough to say yes. Oh, I want to live in the world where that's true. So okay. I'm choosing to do that. Um, Nevertheless, we're supposed to sympathize with them and be like, yeah, let this building fall down around the homeless people instead. That's better. Yeah. And just like, oh, God, what was it? There's this one line in Broad City where she just like out of nowhere, she's like, so what? They in Rent, the musical, they thought they just 
didn't have to pay rent? <laughs> is this something that you completely buy into when you're listening to it? Yeah, like, yeah, fuck rent, because you're a kid. You haven't really paid rent. Or I guess you're a disillusioned New Yorker who's watching the show. I mean, oh, that, that part we all get. It's like, fuck rent. That's yes. for sure. But, yeah, why? Like, what? It was crazy. I guess you have to pay rent. Our generation's been broken down enough by capitalism to understand that it's the master and mm-hmm. that we have no power. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm team Benny. That's, I've totally lost my little artistic soul. I'm team and the Jets. Put this together. (laughs) Um, okay. So I have issues about out or, uh, will you light my candle? So he comes in or she comes into his apartment. She's like, will you light my candle? And then he takes her drugs from him. Like, that's not cool. You don't let the woman have her drugs. Like he, Roger being the he here, like he doesn't just get to, this woman is a junkie. She needs her drugs. He and knows then like, too. He's clean, right? Yes. And he's like, exactly. You're a junkie. You've been through this. She's going to quit when she's ready. Patrick. Heroin is no joke. I, you want to know, I had a very much like this moment when I first moved to New York in 2001, there was this guy, um, should I say his name out loud? No, he might still be alive. Yeah, no, don't um, say that. Who I found at, uh, God, what was that gay coffee shop in Chelsea? It was like, it was like the wake me up or the pick up or the cuppa, something like that. Uh, and then I thought we were kind of dating, but we weren't. And he was a heroin addict. And I, and he said, well, I want to get clean. Will you help me get clean? And we had the the worst night of my life because I took him to Beth Israel, which back then was atrocious. It's much better now. Mm. Beth Israel, will you sponsor this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And he, and so they were, they were like, what's your problem in the ER? And he's like, I'm coming down from heroin and I want to get clean and I want to check into the rehab here. And they were like, "Um, okay, we'll just sit here in the ER for many hours and he would just like puke his guts out. I watched this man go through living hell getting off heroin. It is really scary. And then eventually we left there because they weren't helping him. They were terrible. And we had to, I had to spend the rest of the night getting heroin for him so that he could make it to the other hospital in New Jersey that we were going to try to check him into. Oh. It's no joke. Like if you have a heroin addiction, it is absolutely physical. And you really should only be coming off of it um, yeah, you have to like properly detox, medic- right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so like, no, what but- an asshole that he's trying to be. Being yeah, like- he's like taking it, and then I'm like, well, what is he? He's judging her for like. Having uh, the same problem he had? Yes, and also like, he's like, oh, they used to tie you up. Like, I saw you at the Cat Scratch Club. Like, he knows she's in Jealous. some like, dark situations. You see her with like this. Uh, her drug dealer later, like she's gonna have to d- potentially do some fucked up shit to get those drugs. Like, and to be fair, I've I've been in a show <laughs> at a bar. <laughs> I was in the show at the Eagle where I was spanked for ten minutes, and I hated it. I hated every minute of it, but I was paid for it to do it, so I could use that money um, to go out and have a really good time at the Eagle later. <laughs> And people told me it was a great show, and they said it was because I looked like I really didn't like getting spanked. And oh. all the rest of the people always looked like they liked it. And I said, not acting, I hated it. It hurts. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, 
Okay, well, that's tough. That's the type of stuff that I think Roger was, like, forcing her back into. And he's so judgmental to her, like, the whole time. They're supposed to be, like, invites her out with all her friends, well, all of his friends, and then he ignores her. And he's, like, not super great to her. And then, like, she has her little AZT break because (gasps) she has AIDS and he has AIDS and then all of a sudden he can relate to her and he's like you she's like me you and he's like me me and he has this breakthrough and then he starts being like nice and falls oh, well, in love with why. her. Oh I know why it's because back then like AIDS was so it was like a death sentence so people who had it felt such a stigma and then there were a lot of people that had you know shame about it like oh I'm unlovable now I have to, I'm toxic I have to stay away from other people and so he probably was well, he shouldn't have asked her out to go with them on the friends thing, because that's fucked up. But he was probably trying to keep distance from her, so he didn't fall in love with her. And then once he found out that she had HIV too, that it was okay. Nowadays, same thing, HPV. But but just go love whoever you want and get medicated now. We live in a much better time. Yes. Um, Roger, what was your problem? Just live 20 years later. Yeah, I... Ugh. Always. Okay, and the other thing, last thing I want to say is <laughs> about Roger is he's so his first song is this introduction is like one song glory wants to write this song before he dies and then he's like (laughs) he goes off to later he goes to like Santa Fe and he's like I've been working on this song all year and like it is the worst song <laughs> of the show. And this is the song that's supposed to be so good that, like, Mimi is dying. And Angel comes to her and he's like, turn around and listen to that song that that boy is singing to you. The song that feels like a half an hour. Oh, it feels like it takes forever. Yes, and that, like, a 12-year-old wrote the lyrics for. Like, maybe those were part of the original lyrics. And they just never and he just pulled it. it right out of the one song glory hole. Awesome. And nothing good ever comes out of that. It was, that's a tough one. And um, it, why is it okay for a to say that glory hole no well oh oh yes we're following the rule that like we can shit on that one song because jonathan larson is dead exactly yeah but but the thing is i always thought that he died of aids okay yes everyone okay so and he died of he had like a stomach issue and it was a brain aneurysm no 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 it was it was like a stomach thing and i can't remember we're just gonna call it thing so i don't have to correct it next week and he died he was hungry (laughs) super hungry and he died on the day that was their like first big performance and uh this was like one of the new york theater workshops or something it was like 1994 after they had like worked on it for a while and this was it this was like their big production of it and he died like that the night before so then they're like calling around they're like oh my gosh should we cancel the show and this was a weird choice but i'm sure it was very poetic for some reason they decided to do that first performance they're like we're gonna do the show but we all have to sit and do it like we're just gonna like sit down and do it and then when um what Yes, yes. They were like, that was the direction Is of this it. Is this Cradle Rock and we're not allowed to <laughs> like, move? Yeah, they were just like, mm, we're not going to move, I guess, out of respect for him. And then it came to La Vie Boheme and they just like couldn't take it anymore. And they like jumped up on tables and... Well, whenever I hear that song, I want to jump on a table. That song's fucking amazing. It's, it's an incredible song. Oh, and one more thing. This is another fact that I have. Uh... He wrote Seasons of Love because Jonathan Larson had a girlfriend who was like, oh, you can write all different styles of music, but I, you, you don't write any gospel. And he was like, okay, hold my beer. <laughs> like, let me write this song. So he did Seasons of Love. 
in the oh, style of gospel. It's a gospel to, like, song. Prove it to her. Like, it doesn't like sound like it, like <laughs> color purple, but <laughs> I don't know everything. Friend. Sorry. <laughs> That's mostly why I know about gospel music. Well, that and the gospel version of Jesus Christ Superstar, which is mm. amazing, too. My life is screaming now. Sorry. I, I also was, like, shocked when I was like, oh, he's not gay. Like, oh, I just thought... You meant girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, girlfriend. That was another... Like, he and Mark and Maureen were based off of a relationship that he had where his girlfriend... And when I heard that part, I was like, oh, come again? I thought that he was gay. I thought that he was totally gay. Totally thought that he was gay, and he was not gay. Um, but that character was based off of a girlfriend that he had who then left him and was in a relationship or cheated on him for a while with a girl and then became like a lesbian, and that was his my, my. vendetta. So then he wrote this really vapid character <laughs> in Maureen. And then it did so well that people's eyes opened with dollar signs so big that they started saying, what else can we steal from his trunk now to try to make dollars off of? And we get tick, tick, boom. Exactly. Which I've never seen. But I know some of the songs from it because they became audition songs. Because people were like, I'll do a song from Rent, but I don't want to do a song from Rent. Because everybody's going to do it. Oh, I also saw Tick, Tick, Boom on tour. Did you? So, yes, I did. What's it about? Uh, Like... Oh, this, that's specific, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, I don't know. There's this guy. They're living in like a loft situation. That I sounds don't really familiar. Know. <laughs> yeah, it was very. I feel like they pieced together. Is this it together. the other seventy songs that he wrote for Rent? Yeah, potentially, honestly, potentially. It was good. Raul Esparza, I think, did the tour of it. Maybe I just listened to the soundtrack enough that I felt like I was watching him. I have a bootleg of Raul Esparza in the tour of Avida. That is so good. As Ava? Mm, no. no. He's no. a Che. Yeah, a Cheva. Um, and by the way, I can't wait until we do Avita so that I can tell everybody the totally fucked up secret that in the original version of it, it really is based on, uh, you know, really Avita and really Che Guevara. Not that they knew each other, but they did kind of like live at the same time. Um, che Guevara was a scientist, a chemist, who had developed an insecticide. And the that got that didn't get approved by the government, and so Tim Rice was like, maybe that's why he became a radical. He's mad at Ava for not giving him a patent for his insecticide. So that's what the original version wow. of the is like. And he's got this whole part where he goes, "Oh my insecticide!" Oh <laughs> Biscuit district. <laughs> Uh, amazing. Those are my facts and that's feelings that's and thoughts rent. on rent. That's all. Is it still running at Playwrights? I mean, at um, no, New World? No, no, no. That closed in New World like no. years ago. Oh, I remember. Okay, one other thing that I found out in researching this is they were like, okay, where are we going to put this when they wanted to move it uptown? And they're like, oh, we know this totally dilapidated shithole, the Nederlander Theater. Which it was is a on, but yeah, it was like, a, I mean, that's again, kind of the vibe of the 90s. Like, I do remember them putting in carpet that was like Jaguar print. It was like leopard print carpet. Oh. I saw it, I saw it on Broadway too. Mm-hmm. On my first trip to New York, I saw, I saw Chicago and lost my shit. And then I saw Ren and lost my shit as a 15 year old. Of course. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, I'm sure it's, it is a wonderful musical, but it's just nothing touched me as much as like, I'll never be able to experience it again. Like I Can't did go, as like a 15 year old. No, I understand. It's the same with me and Itsy Bitsy Spider. It does not mean what it did at one time. Now I just see the the dark side of it, you know? 
this poor spider is desperately trying to do its job and capitalism keeps coming and washing it away. It almost goes down the drain. That's scary. Oh my gosh. Also, spiders, they scare a lot of people. (laughs) How could you sleep at night thinking about this? What that should have been is to go to cats. (laughs) Spiders. (laughs) Hey everybody, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube, and Instagram. And write to us at Sunday in the Heights with Dolly at gmail.com. 